My dad was a go-getter. My dad had, what do they call it, hustle. He did. And on the Strengths Finder test, my dad was a woo. My dad was the kind of guy that uh, when you meet these type of people in life, you immediately like them. And anything they do, you like what they're doing, and you want to do it with them. And that's a, that woos have that ability. And my dad was a woo on the Strengths Finder. And everybody I ever encountered, I love Mike. I love, I mean, I was just at a chamber event like this week, and somebody out of the woodwork grabbed me by the arm. I know it's only been three years, but I just miss your dad. I love him. And so, you know, and, and he did. He had that power. He had that ability, um, which he put to work, by the way. He sold fire alarms. There were a lot of people who did not need fire alarms <laughs> who bought them because it was my dad selling them. He sold replacement windows for a season. Uh, and then for the lion's share of his life, he sold loans. He sold people money at, <laughs> you know, he was one of those banker types. He always said, I'm doing financial peace as penance for the many years I spent in the banking industry. But he would go out and hustle. So other, other bankers in commercial lending would kind of sit and wait for loans to come to him. He hustled it. He went out there and he went to the local jewelry store and he was like, I want to set it up so that our bank does all of your financing for your engagement rings. And he would go to the car dealership and I want to set it up so that our bank does all your financing for the cars that you sell. And so he had hustle. He did. And I am so not like my dad. <laughs> I, my per so in terms of personality, I am the stereotypical wallflower do you think they'll dance with me? <laughs> are they going to come over? The wallflower. The wallflowers in life, are. Uh, we tend to be passive. Uh, and, and we're not really sure. And the hustle part isn't part of our vocabulary. And so as we talk about this aspect of faith today, I want you to be thinking of yourself for a moment. And if you're a parent, I want, to be, I want you to be thinking of your kids. There are the wallflowers in life. We are the passive people. We don't have hustle. We are hoping that something good will happen. And it's, it's hope. <laughs> We're not going to get out there and make it happen, but we really hope it does happen to us. Please, Jesus, if you love us, do this for us, okay? Then, then on the other end of the continuum are the go-getters, the people with hustle. And they're like, well, God helps those who help themselves, and buddy, I'm going to make it happen. You know, boom, they're out there working. And so here's the risk when it comes to faith. If you are a wallflower... The risk you run when it comes to the aspect of faith I'm going to talk about today is that you're going to miss God opportunities because you're passive and you wait and you don't want to step out. You don't want to take action. That's the risk that you run. If you're a go-getter, the risk that you run is you are going to go 20 miles ahead and realize that God was actually 18 miles back and you just passed him. <laughs> and so you outrun God. And, and you usually discover that when all of a sudden the enemy surrounds you <laughs> and you're like, ah, death! <laughs> okay? So I just want you to be aware of your personality as we talk about that today, okay? And, and so I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, remember I talked about my roommate pinning me to the ground? And, and, and telling, giving me an ultimatum. You're either going to date Jenny or you're going to walk away and quit flirting with her. That's because I was a wallflower, passive. I was like, well, I, I want her to like her. I want to go out and date. Well, then just ask her out, okay? He was a go-getter. <laughs> Worked well together, okay? So today, today I want to lay at your feet. When it comes to God, you got to trust and obey first. Trust and obey first. And the obedience, step of obedience part comes first then God does wondrous things. 
and to kind of take a look and really cement why this is the case, I want you to open your Bible to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 today. All right, Joshua chapter 3. This is when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into Canaan, okay? And something miraculous happened when they did that, and we're going to get into that right now, all right? So Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through, we're, just, we're going to be in the whole chapter, but we'll read the first few verses together. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went throughout the camp, giving the, these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you've never traveled this way, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. And then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. There's a couple of things going on. There's, there's some perspective. There's some perspective and preparation. <gasps> Two P words. You know how I love P words, okay? Perspective and preparation. The perspective part is stay about a half a mile behind. Now there's this, the ark is holy, there's this, you know, stuff that's going on, this holiness stuff. But another aspect of it is the whole nation of Israel is about a half a mile back. And so when the big miraculous thing happens, everybody's got a front seat view to see what happens and to see what God does. So there's some perspective that's being laid out. But there's also some preparation. Notice this purify yourselves for tomorrow the lord will do great wonders among you when this occurs in the old testament there's washing that happens people bathed which let's be honest in the ancient world they did not have 21st century american hygiene habits in other words they never bathed <laughs> okay they just didn't people didn't ancient people that's how they rolled okay but so purifying yourselves there's some bathing that's going on there's some changing of clothes that's going on. If you're married, there's some abstaining from married things that typically go on, right? And all of that is to prepare for what's about to happen. It's a preparation thing. Um, I love the way Dale Davis writes in one of his commentaries. He says, most Americans are not impressed with the grandeur of God in their public worship because they've not prepared themselves to see him as such, right? So, in other words, there's some perspective and there's preparation in turn, it, that happens before God doing this big thing, right? First six verses. So let's keep going on, verses 7 through 9. The Lord told Joshua, today, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. This is encouragement. I don't know about you, but sometimes, we talked about this last week. Remember how it's one thing to say, trust God, trust God. It's another thing to feel inside like God is trustworthy. And it's another thing to kind of feel like you can trust God. And sometimes emotions lag behind a decision to trust God. Um, and so 
God is spelling out for Joshua, this thing that I'm about to do, I just want you to know, not only is it going to encourage you, it's going to encourage all of Israel. Everyone's going to be encouraged by this. And all the big miraculous stuff that made the Prince of Egypt movie that I did, all of that stuff, and everybody's like, Moses is this man of God. They're going to be saying the same things of you. Because just as I was with Moses, I'm with you. And I would say to you today, you adopted sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, God says the same, as I was with Moses and Joshua, so I am with you. I am with you. That same promise abounds. Jesus himself said it in Matthew. All right? So let's keep going. Verses 10 through 13. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Gigasites, Amorites, Jebusites. That's a lot of ites, isn't it? That's worse than isms and ismists. Okay, so all these people, he will drive them out. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, Israel one from each tribe, the priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. This is, uh, this is huge, and this is the lynch point, lynch pin, lynch point, that's not even a word, lynch pin for what I want to talk about today. If you've been around church, you've probably heard Christians use this Christian f- phrase, well, you know, the Lord just wanted me to take a step of faith. Have you ever wondered, what are you talking about? What is, what is this step of faith? Is that like jazzercise? I mean, what is that? You know, okay? So I want to explain that today, all right? Here it is. As soon as their feet touch the water. So step of faith goes all the way back to the Jordan River, the book of Joshua, the whole nation of Israel everything's riding on this. There's this big river they have to get across to go where God wants them to go. And so the priests walk into the river as it's raging past. And I'm going to explain what this raging past looks like in the next few verses. So let's put those up. Verses 14 on. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, just as we spelled out. It was the harvest season. And the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance at a way at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed off to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed, as the entire as the people passed by they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground this is the kicker point all right so if we could go back to verse 14 so the people at the camp uh, crossed the Jordan priests carrying the ark of the covenant it was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing so the Jordan river normally normally it's about 100 feet wide but at harvest season it's like the Kentucky River after we've gotten 10 inches of rain. I paddle on the Kentucky River. It has no flow. 
I mean, you can upstream, downstream, it really doesn't matter most of the time because it's dammed up and, and the water doesn't flow much and it's got virtually no current. If you're in a kayak on the Kentucky River and you're hoping to get the ride of your life, you're going to wait forever. <laughs> it goes, this is how fast it goes. <laughs> Exciting, isn't it? <laughs> you got to work it. Okay? The Jordan River at this point is not like that. Think 10 inches of rain. Now, the Kentucky River, when we've had 10 inches of rain, it goes way up its banks, and I wouldn't get on that river for all the money you want to pay me because it's a drowning machine at that point. It is. It's, you know, it's basically, I want to go be with Jesus now. I will go get on the Kentucky. Okay? So the Jordan River, instead of 100... 100 uh, yards or 100 feet wide, sorry, 100 feet wide is more like a mile wide. And all this brush and everything, it's this giant thing of water surging past. So imagine yourself for a moment, you're the nation of Israel. God's, I'm giving you this land, it's awesome, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, it's going to be great. Spies have come back, good report, they're scared to death. Okay, we're going to go cross the river now. And you get out to the river of death. So what do the priests have to do again? What do they have to do? They have to get in the water. They have to get in the water. There's no staying up by the banks and going, okay, God, we're ready. We're ready. Dry up the river now. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, let's try again. One. <laughs> no, they have to get in the water. It's not until they take that... <gasps> step of faith that God does the wondrous things, right? There's a principle here, and the principle is simply you got to trust and obey first if you want to see the wondrous stuff. Trust and obey comes first. It's the obedient stuff that comes first, and the act of obedience in this case is get your feet in that water. Only Then and only then will the river miraculously dry up, and Actually, there have been several times the Jordan has dried up, and you can Google it and look it up. I think the last time was 1926. I want to, think, I want to say it was in our, within the last 100 years, but it's happened, okay? So God does this amazing thing, but the people of Israel, the priests specifically, trusted that God, they could count on God and obeyed based on what God told them to do. Then God does something amazing. You're going to find that true in your life. God delights in impossible situations where he can do the amazing, the powerful, so that everybody looking at it goes, yeah, only God could do that, right? So let me ask some questions in light of this. Question number one, how has God displayed his power in your life? How has God displayed his power in your life? Boom, see? God's done a lot of things to people in this room. If we could talk and share testimonies for the next five days, I'm telling you, you would hear stuff. No pun intended. <laughs> okay? But most, did you know this? Most Americans, most Americans say they have heard God speak to them in their life. They're just afraid to admit it. But if you ask them, if you get to a point of trust with them and you ask, has God ever, you feel like God has ever spoken to you? Most Americans, the overwhelming majority of Americans would say to you, yep, 
God spoke to me, and I, it was clear as day. All right? So, second question. How do you prepare yourself to meet God? In this, in this account, the Israelites are doing something. They're, there's preparation before God does something. But how do you prepare yourself? And then lastly, what step of faith might God be asking you to take these days? What step of faith might God be asking you to take these days? I want to share with you one simple practical way that you can kind of ramp up your Israeliteness at the Jordan River. Um, and I've shared this once before a number of years ago. Claire de Graff has what he calls the 10-second rule. He says that if you walk with Jesus and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God talks to you regularly, right? And what happens is God, you get an impression, I should talk to this person. I should give this person $50. I, there are these things that happen, and they come up, and you have this sense that you should do something, this, this nudge, this drive. What most American churchgoers do is that they wait. Uh, is that from God? Mm, is that a bit of undigested beef? <clears throat> what is that? I mean, you know, so they, they wait, and because they wait, at the end of it, they simply talk themselves out of it or it just doesn't happen simply because of the passage of time. And so his mantra is, I get a nudge, I get an impression like that, I obey within 10 seconds because I know if I wait longer than 10 seconds, I'm probably not going to do it. And his testimony is that over my life, since I implemented that rule, I've seen God do all kinds of crazy things that I just wasn't seeing only because my obedience level, my trust in obedience is first, and I'm seeing God do all these amazing things simply because I don't talk myself out of what God's leading me to do. Um, your church family has done this a number of times. Right now, today, you're going to hear in just a minute from some people that are going uh, to a place that I can't mention because they record these messages. <laughs> but... When we were presented with this opportunity last year, those of us in leadership, well, basically me, remember the passive, you know, and I'm also a Thomas, so I tend to be a doubter, right? When it was presented to me, I was like, we're going to send how many people? Don't you know how big our church is? That's going to cost how much? That's a third of our annual budget. There's no way we can raise that kind of money. Yeah. You are like the second Holy Spirit. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Here's what happened. So last, this time last year, by this time last year, finances were actually tight to the point where I had deferred four different paychecks by June of last year. Not only, so not only is giving up over 6%, but overall giving here is up 40%. Because generations, you, you, we as a church family... God, we felt God wanted us to go to this thing in this country and minister to these missionaries that are serving in a very, very rough, discouraging climate. And because we stepped out, boom, God has provided everything that we've needed. Coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. It's a faith builder, right? So here's my encouragement to you. God's speaking to you. If you... If you, if you are redeemed, if you are an adopted son or daughter of, of your heavenly father, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And that Holy Spirit's wanting to talk regularly. And I simply want to encourage you today, 
trust and obey first. Trust and obey first. Make it your habit to trust and obey first. Because I'm telling you, over the course of your life, you will find that God does dry up rivers. He does amazing things. I've seen it, but it only comes with trust and obey first. There's a reason that song is the way it is, right? Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. See, you know, it's true. I'm telling you. 